Welcome back to episode 37 of Lifelong. Thank you for being here. As always, this is going to be a really engaging episode with two incredible entrepreneurs located here in Chicago, Illinois. And we are going to be chatting all about the importance of supporting local food systems. We'll also talk a bit about getting children involved in healthy eating and the truth about seed oils and so much more. And these two wonderful women are Brittany D. Leon and Kasha Bednars. They started FAIR, which is a better-for-you, fast-casual restaurant throughout Chicago, and their story is really incredible, and I am ultimately a huge fan of theirs because they truly care about every single ingredient they're sourcing. They live what they preach, which is supporting local food systems and um, supporting the environment and using really high quality ingredients and staying away from inflammatory foods and oils that a lot of other chains are using. So we're going to go into all of those details in this episode. If you are someone who is passionate about supporting local food systems, maybe you're also an environmentalist or you're ultimately really into health and nutrition, I think you're going to love this episode. So Please join me in welcoming Brittany DeLeon and Kasha Bedners. Hello, Brittany and Kasha. Hi. I am just loving your backdrop. <laughs> Very fancy. Very fancy. Super, super fancy. I want to just like drop myself right in there. This is not our norm. It happens to be where one of our locations is and it's in the old post office. They just redid it and it's really beautiful. And yeah, we feel very fancy Fireplace, here. Yeah. It's awesome. So basically, everyone should go to the the fair at the post office and yeah. and wander about. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of fair, what inspired the both of you to start fair, and what did that journey look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that there were different reasons for both of us, and then the crossover is really where like the magic happened, and you know, our partnership formed, and like why it is what it is today because we did come from different places. So you want to share what fair was for you or you want me to go first? Yeah, I can share. Yeah, I can share. <laughs> um, so we met working in an office setting and we just felt like there was nothing really great, healthy and transparent to eat quickly. And we found ourselves like bringing our own food. And at, at that point, like I started getting more into fitness. I think we were like in our early earlier 20s started to get into fitness and so I was trying to eat clean and eat healthy and you know focus on macros and things like that so I was making a lot of my food bringing it in and Brittany was doing the same and yeah there was just like a lot of commonalities we started talking about you know what we're eating and then we started bringing in lunches for each other and testing out different recipes and that's kind of like the the food portion of it and then in terms of fair like we I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, wanted to work for myself, started working in restaurants at a young age, loved hospitality, and just really thought that like, hey, if we're working this hard for someone else in food, like we should do this for ourselves. And it felt like there was a really big market demand for healthy eating in Chicago and it's kind of where it sparked. And then Brittany's totally like the other side of, <laughs> of the brain that my my brain doesn't work like this. And we're really complimentary in that sense. Like she focuses on the brand and marketing and I had like the business and operations and just felt like a really good natural partnership and we liked each other yes, yes still yes, do yes still do yeah. still like each other like each other then still still do which is really important as partners but yeah I think that it was really kind of this like coming of age for us like you know being 
being on our own, living on our own for the first time and like both really enjoying to eat and food kind of in every category of food. Like we let, we loved eating healthy. We loved indulging from time to time. Like, but I think that it was because of this like kind of perfect storm of like us living by ourselves and you know, the, the demand for, or the need for something that we could eat quickly during the day that we really just started experimenting and it, it just kind of all happened at a really like optimal time. And like, similar to Kasha, how she was focused on fitness. I was like, I was having some skin issues in my like early twenties where I was just like breaking out a lot. And I, I was trying to figure it out and ended up reading this book called the beauty detox solution. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it's it's like a really intense, I mean, it was great, but it's intense. It's like definitely like raw veganism. And Mm -hmm. so it's a very extreme swing. And Mm -hmm. so I tried that for a while and I felt like I definitely did have this boost in energy and all these things, but it kind of took a little bit of like an unhealthy turn to just, you know, to be in this one lane. And so I think fair, like, you know, as we started cooking together was a way to just really find balance, which I think is really important. And that's what's really important for us, you know, that people experience when they're eating our food too, that it's like, it's, it's delicious, it's healthy, it's going to fuel you, but it's not like this very specific thing. It's really about, yeah, the overall picture of health and wellness and not Mm -hmm. restricting, restricting to to one kind of eating. So, wow. Well, I love hearing more about your backgrounds and how FAIR came to be as a local FAIR lover. I would totally agree that Chicago was or is in the need of more, you know, convenient, healthier options that feel balanced too. You know, going to FAIR, I feel that you could bring someone who isn't very into health or healthy eating and they could find something that they like you know what I mean and it's it's not like so in your face but it it's very good ingredients and that seasonal aspect and the local aspect which I really want to talk about both of those because I know that supporting local food systems is really important to you and it, it seems to be one of your kind of core values at FAIR but if you both want to maybe like jump in and talk about why it is so important to the both of you to support these local food systems and how you're implementing that at FAIR. Yeah. So seasonality is a really big thing for us. You know, we change the menu or certain items on the menu every 12 weeks or so. So with the seasons and there's a couple of reasons why eating seasonally is important. When you do, you're able to source from a, a lot more locally than if you're trying to eat a peach in the middle of December. That's obviously not coming from anywhere here. So A, when that happens, there's, you know, a lot, a lot of energy is exerted just getting you that food item. So just reducing the time and the distance that those things travel is a big part of it. But then also like the nutrients, in the food, they're going to be, you're going to have a higher like nutrient density and content for things that are eaten like when they're at the peak of their ripeness naturally and in season. So um, we're because of like, unfortunately, where our ecosystem is, our soil is already really depleted. And like food, even when you are eating it in season, isn't doesn't have the same nutrient density than it that as it once did. So 
it's just kind of us trying to do our best to to get you the food that's going to be the best for you at the best time of the year. So another big part of it is like when you are eating foods that are in season and at the peak of their, you know, ripeness and flavor, you have to do a lot less to them. And that's kind of a bit, that's a big pillar for us too. Like we cook really simply, everything's made from scratch. We don't use any preservatives, sugars, you know, like no seed oils or anything like that, which I know we'll get to as well. But when, when you aren't relying on some of those other ingredients that kind of can alter the flavor of food or mm. I or enhance, or enhance it in a certain way, yeah. you really want to make sure that you're using the best possible quality of ingredients. And so, yeah, seasonal produce is going to give you that best, your best chance for that. And yeah. if you think about it just from like a higher level, like the seasonality, like it gives you what your body needs at that time. So like summertime, like you need to be hydrated. It's hot outside. So watermelon and berries full of water and like super hydrating. Then wintertime, like it's root vegetables and you need warmth and it needs to like be hearty because it's cold and you're like bearing this, this awful winter here. It, it just really is like a a natural way of giving you what your body needs. Like springtime, leafy greens, detoxification from like a really cold winter and all these like root vegetables. So like the natural cycle does what our body needs at that time. Yeah, no, I totally as a, you know, being certified in holistic nutrition, you guys are speaking my language. And it's so refreshing to know that there is a restaurant slash brand like keeping that in mind and not just buying kale or spinach from the cheapest possible manufacturer that maybe is traveling from thousands and thousands of miles away you know and bringing up that point too about I just kind of had this this moment thinking what about wow I must go to a lot of restaurants not fair like other restaurants where I'm eating something and how much has this been like flavor enhanced by the oils and maybe even adding natural flavoring and things like that or natural flavors, stuff like that. So I appreciate you both sharing that. As far as like the local food system, so we talked about the seasonality importance. How does that relate to the local aspect and what are the benefits of supporting local obviously the three of us know these benefits but how could we simplify this for the audience or maybe like motivate them to support local foods yeah i mean definitely like we're big proponents of the farmer's market if you follow us on instagram without surprise we try to in when the farmer's market is in season like we try to do the majority of our personal shopping there grocery shopping for lack of a better word so all most of our produce and meats and things are coming from local farmers and what's really important about that is if if we if we don't support these systems like big agriculture which is you know they're doing practices like monocropping which means you know they're only growing one thing on a plot of land like this is not just depleting the soil it's also like the soil is our own gut health and our health and i think that people are so disconnected from that and you're only really going to get those benefits of like healthy healthy soil and like that's going to feed your microbiome and all of those things from 
people who are doing who are farming the right way. And like, unfortunately, even when you go and buy organic, it's just hard to get a lot of the information on the practices that these farms are using. And so a big part of shopping locally and supporting a local ecosystem is getting to know the people who are growing the food, because then you can really ask the important questions like what their practices are on the farms, what what kind of pests solutions they're using because there are many things that are pesticides and herbicides and and things that are protecting that are are certified organic but like you if you knew what they were you probably wouldn't want to be consuming them so the only way you're really going to find those out is like having a real connection and getting to know these people and so I think that that's like the greatest benefit of shopping at these farmers markets it's really being able to form a relationship where you feel comfortable like a lot of these farms we've actually gone to visit and hmm. see the way that they, you know, rotate their crops and rotate their animals and graze them on, you know, grass and just it's really it's really an incredible kind of bond to be able to form with the people that are growing the food that you're putting into your body. So I think like soil health is is probably like the number one most important thing. And you're not going to get that kind of transparency anywhere else besides like shopping locally at the farmer's market for the most part or yeah with with local farmers and you just feel a bigger connection to your food like Brittany said like you're less removed from it you go to the grocery store and there's all these like ridiculously beautiful apples that they all hand pick well there's a reason that they're all as beautiful as they are you know because there's probably things on them and mm-hmm. if you go to these farmers markets and meet the farmers like there's a bigger connection because you appreciate what actually goes into getting this apple to you, you know, what the process was, what they had to go through, like how much time it took. And and the food just tastes better. Like it is just better. Like such a difference in in quality and like apples taste like apples and carrots actually taste like carrots, you know, and and having like that experience and then eating like conventional, you know, grocery store produce, like it's just not <clears throat> Yeah. There is totally a difference to eating carrots from the farmer's market versus carrots from the grocery store. And have you, I'm, I'm sure both of you have heard of CSA. CSA? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we actually participate in one of those, but it's a little, well, it's pretty, little. Like it's a really good way to like, you know, you have to think about these farmers are growing a certain amount of things and they bring it to market and they hope that people are going to buy everything up. Well, if they don't, like that stuff a lot of times ends up like in their compost pile. And so Mm -hmm. community supported agriculture or a CSA is a great way to like offload things from the farmer that like maybe they grew so many carrots that year that like they know they wouldn't sell them all at the market, but they would want them to, you know, it's still a way for you to support them and get Mm -hmm. a great product. It's not like you're getting secondhand anything. It's just kind of like getting the best of what's on the farm. Maybe a crop really flourished more than they thought it would. Or maybe, you know, even there was something that they hoped would grow better and it didn't. So they can only give it to their CSA members or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, and I think what's great about it too, is it forces you into some creativity when it comes to food, because it's not like I have asparagus on my grocery list and Mm -hmm. I need to get asparagus and that's what I'm going to cook tonight. You know, you might get leeks, which you've never made before. We get a lot of those. And they make them, yeah. you know, you get a lot of leaks, a lot of like holly green, hearty bok green. And bok choy, yeah. like so many random things. <laughs> but you experiment with those things yeah. and you try new things. And then maybe next time, like you'll want to get that, you know, because you yeah. can Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great all around too. And just bringing it back to the the health 
benefits. It's like, okay, my microbiome is now getting even more diversified because I'm getting local bok choy into my system, which I never would have bought at the store. You know what I mean? But yeah, CSAs are really cool. The farmer's markets. Are there any other tips? Maybe even, I I know you both live, well, both of you live in the city. Is that right? And you're clearly making it work as city folk. So are there any other like maybe little helpful tips for living in the city? Or do you think that most major cities do offer these kind of kinds of things? I do think that like when you're in a city, you do we we have access to a lot. So even when the farmers markets aren't in the season, for instance, there's a couple really great places that you could shop for local-ish produce right. and local products. So beyond produce, you know, there's grains grown in the Midwest and there's, you know, other, there's nuts even. Not a ton of varieties. I think hazelnuts are the only thing that we kind of grow in the Midwest-ish region. But there's there's a couple grocery stores. There's a place called Village Farm Stand. It's in Evanston. And they source really locally. And when they can't get like local produce, because a lot of, right now it's a lot of root vegetables, beets, potatoes, hydroponically grown lettuces and herbs and things like that, which are all grown here. But they even source their citrus, which are like completely untreated. And I don't know if you've ever seen citrus that doesn't come from like a normal like citrus at Grove, uh, but they're not shiny. It's like a dull, it almost looks like dusty. Like everything uh-huh. has like some sort of wax or <laughs> yeah. right? make it shiny and beautiful. But like their citrus there, you'd see it and maybe be like, oh, this looks a little like, has it been sitting in like, <laughs> but it's really just untreated citrus that they source from these very small family farms out West. So even in the winter, you're getting just these really high quality things from other places that are in season there. So something like that is great. And they offer delivery. So there are Mm -hmm. options to shop outside of like conventional grocery stores. And I think that that would be another, I think, thing that we would encourage people to do is just kind of seek out those smaller, more intentional grocers Mm -hmm. because they they do exist and they have a lot of a lot more of them than most places have. So, yeah, it is a blessing. Yeah, we participate in closed loop farms. They grow our microgreens. Mm-hmm. And during COVID, they started this program that was like the weekly salad club where they deliver microgreens and like their indoor grown lettuces and leafy greens, herbs, things like that, flowers, and they deliver it to your house. And it's mm-hmm. such like a, we shared it with so many people and people were so into it because you got it to your door, you got it delivered weekly. You could add on like some specific local things, like a local bread from a really great bakery or some like local jams or something from different chefs in the area. But during COVID, I think a lot of those started happening, like these delivery services where it is locally grown. And it's just, yeah, it's really great to support those people that are working so hard to get this to people. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's like almost no no excuse to not because there's so many resources at at our fingertips. And I think accessibility is becoming things are becoming more accessible as far as like different price points and having subscriptions to things sometimes that lowers prices and but even like geographically more is popping up all over so no excuses the biggest piece in that is actually like education like I think people just don't know a lot of the time so yeah we're lucky that there's like access I mean there's still there still could be more I think but I think the more people know about understand about their food system and what affects like you know actually 
locally grown food have on on your gut and mm-hmm. overall health like when people understand that i think that they will seek it out more and hopefully that just that area of, you know or those kind of places continue to grow and pop up so they can be more accessible yeah i like to say education inspires motivation so totally i totally totally agree with you shifting gears a little bit want to talk about children and getting kids to eat healthier because i know Brittany, you have a couple young children so what are some ways to get kids excited about eating healthy or supporting local food systems like what yeah fun ways to get kids involved i think that you know for our girls like we definitely they're always they've been at the farmer's market with like the farmers know yeah they know love going there i mean they yeah they've created they've kind of formed their own bonds and relationships with certain people there which is really cool to see and it just is excited to go so i think in just involving them in doesn't have to be at the farmer's market but just involving them in you know the shopping in general i think is really important giving them little tasks go grab the cucumber or the kale or whatever it is so that they start to associate like those words and and i'd say like involving them in the cooking and preparing of food too like i notice it, I mean, it's it's so different what my kids will eat when they actually make the food versus mm-hmm. when it's on the table. So like they don't really they're not really like salad eaters, like they'll drink a green juice from time to time. Mm-hmm. And I think they're pretty healthy eaters, but like they're not like, you know, digging into a bowl of salad. But if they cut it up and put the dressing on and do all the stuff like they'll eat it every time. So I think it's just wow. part of it, like the pride that they've taken. I made this like my family's eating it. We're sharing it together. So I think just involving them in every kind of step of the way, if they you can give them a little job or something to do, really helps kind of pique their interest in in the food. And they're a lot more willing, or I've found a lot more willing to give it a try at least once. And then the other thing is like, I don't know where I read this, but I think it takes something like, it could take up to like trying something like 30 times before you actually like enjoy the taste of it or what so I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people <clears throat> parents will give a kid broccoli let's just say for instance and they're like oh my kid doesn't like broccoli and they gave it to them you know one time mm-hmm. but it's maybe try it in a different setting or like continue offering it and like we offer a lot of things that they that they say no to every time but like one day they might surprise us and be like, yeah, I'll try that. Or that was really delicious. Or however mm-hmm. you it, you know, maybe looked different or intrigued them to to take a bite. So I think it's just like the not giving up. And and instead of being like, well, my kid only eats chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. But like you just have to keep offering things, even if they don't eat it. And kind of, you know, try not to do like separate meals for everybody. It's like, this is what we're eating. Like, eat what you want, try these mm-hmm. things. And I think eventually, you know, they come around to some of it, which I found has been, has worked for us. So, yeah. Yeah. Those are great tips. I'm <laughs> just penciling them th- down in my head for when I have <laughs> one day. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. I, I know that we had mentioned briefly about, very, very briefly about seed oils or just kind of like funky oils that some restaurants and even like packaged goods sometimes add into their their products what are what are seed oils and or as you call them on your website trick 
tricky oils, I think. What are they and why why do you both kind of decide why did you decide to not include them in your food? I'm happy about it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we decided not to include them because one of our key pillars is transparency. And so when we were building fair, we really wanted some place like we trust what's in this food. Like there's this dressing and yes, it might taste good, but like you don't know what's inside this dressing. So it could be filled with sugar or these tricky oils or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, is in there that's enhancing those flavors. Like we didn't want that to be even like a consideration that you were like hesitant and you didn't want the sauce or you don't want the dressing because you weren't sure what, what it was. So for us, it's like it's very clean and transparent. Like there just isn't anything weird in our food. Mm -hmm. And so we stick with just olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil and everything that, you know, that we serve at fair. And obviously it's challenging to do. You know, there's a price point difference and, yeah. you know, it's just a commitment that we've made. And one, they taste better, but it's just so much better for you. And, you know, Brick can probably talk a little bit more about like what the, like, I guess, negative, you know, aspects of seed oils are but that's like our commitment to why we decided yeah not to not to use them at all yeah they're just um, like really inflammatory and I yeah think that, you know, highly processed right yeah just the way that they're extracted the whole thing from start to finish is just not not great and it's whether you eat it fair or not which we'd love for you we'd love for you to because we don't use anything like that you just should really avoid seed oils at all costs. They they lead to so many different health issues. And besides just inflammation, they they actually like fuel your appetite. Like they make you want to eat more because of like the way that they kind of like change process inside your body. So it's just it's just a, a great thing to try to avoid. And unfortunately it's the cheaper option when you're looking for an oil to make a dressing or for something that's like a neutral. Sometimes you'll see recipes for like a neutral tasting oil, which mm. to me is just kind of funny. Like you want to be able to taste the stuff mostly that you're eating or like it's yeah. kind of use it, but you're only going to find neutral flavored oils in something that's like very refined, like because a great take seed or a out of seed oil or whatever. So it's yeah. just at that yeah. point, it's like kind of saturated fat and that's not really good to eat great to eat in like any setting cooked or uncooked and so mm -hmm. yeah for us it just felt like there's no place for it here like even though there is like Tasha mentioned there is like definitely a cost difference and you would okay. find that even for cooking at home we'd rather use a little bit less oil on things and our dressings don't rely like heavily on oil actually you know they, there's oil in not even all of the dressings but in two of them and it, there's also a lot of other ingredients in there that make the dressing what it is. So mm -hmm. it's not like you're just like loading your bowl up or whatever it is with a bunch of oil. So we'd yeah. rather use a good quality ingredient and less of it and know that it's not going to cause somebody inflammation or maybe like uncomfortable bloating or whatever it mm -hmm. is that, that a lot of these seed oils can, can kind of affects that they can cause within the body. So yeah, I think it's just something we've committed to staying away from in our personal life. And then because it's our brand and connected so, so mm -hmm. much, to us, like we couldn't, it's almost like welcoming you into our home and like we would never serve that to you at our house. So you'll never find it that fair. And when you don't have the seed oils and you don't eat like that, and then you do eat out and you have something like you immediately feel it, you sure. feel different, yes. You're, yes. you're bloated or you have 
heartburn or acid reflux or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Like, oh, yikes, I know why that happened. Obviously, I ate something that I shouldn't have eaten. And a lot of that, like I personally attribute to seed oils and like whether sometimes it's just like old oil that, you know, it's just like reused and recycled in restaurants, which we obviously don't do since we don't fry anything. But I definitely attribute that a lot to like just the over-processing of these oils. Yeah. Well, thank you because seed oils are something I am so, so passionate about. Well, educating people about the harms of seed oils is something I am passionate about. And I I feel so conflicted sometimes because I, again, like I said, you you find them sometimes in a lot of times in restaurants, but also a lot of times in packaged goods. And I'm going to buy this, let's say, organic paleo granola bar, but then I'm reading it and there's canola oil in it. And I'm like, this is so, so frustrating. And I'm kind of now like on this, thankfully my fiance is also into this. And we, we now want to start asking when we're going to restaurants, what is this being cooked in? Because it's just not worth feeling bad when you're eating. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do you think that more, I know that the cost, cost thing is big and obviously like the education component is big because seed oils have kind of been pushed by the American Heart Association for a number of years, but there's some conspiracy and weird stuff to that anyways. Do you think with the increasing education on the harms of seed oils, do you think more restaurants will start taking accountability and using and maybe spending a little more money or to get the better oils and using less of them, kind of like you're doing? Or do you think it's somewhat a lost cause? I don't think it's a lost cause. I do think that like when consumers are passionate about something and the more that you ask, like there will come a point where like restaurants may have to change. But mm-hmm. I, again, this all comes back to like educating the consumer. If they're not educated, like the restaurant, most likely, unless that's something that's passionate that's it or that's a core value for them like they're not gonna probably make changes just based on like oh i i learned this is gonna be better for all the people eating you'd like to think that that was the case but i i'd say that i I don't think that that's really that that won't happen unless people really push for things and start demanding change or asking for things not to be cooked a certain way or Mm -hmm. or don't go to the restaurant or whatever the case may be but i think that your best option is probably to seek out a place that has kind of some sort of health focus like it's some of these more i don't know like american restaurants are, aren't if they if there isn't like a health food or even like a healthy food focus like I think it's yeah I'd be surprised if they were changing like their practices around oils I don't know. and it's the harder way to go like yeah. the reality yeah. is it's easier to cook with seed oils they have a higher you know processed oils in general like there's a higher smoke point you know it's a neutral flavor so you can do a lot more to the food and the price point you know they'd have to it's, it's education like chefs would have to understand how to use different oils you know that avocado oil or coconut oil has a higher smoke point than olive oil. So for this application, you might want to use this instead. Like that is a learning curve. So yeah. like like there needs to be consumer demand in order for anyone to take that step to actually work to make those changes internally. And But I, I don't think it's a lost cause. I think people definitely are moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. And like our environment, restaurants, like we'll have to move in that direction, you know, and, and slowly they are like you see it popping up. Mm-hmm. It's just 
slow. We just have to keep pushing right. for that. Yeah. Well, I'll keep asking when I go to restaurants. <laughs> yeah, no, um, keep pushing it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, hopefully. At least some of those places that you go often. I mean, just like you would go to the farmer's market and get to know the people, like do the same thing at your favorite restaurant. Yep. Mm-hmm. Get to know the chef, get to know the staff, like eventually going there. Relationship is so, can be so powerful. You know? More than like yeah. writing a complaint or whatever, mm-hmm. like get to really know what's going on there. And then you can start asking those questions. It doesn't feel so intrusive to them. And it's more like, oh, this person like supports my business. Like, yeah, let's have this conversation. Let's go there. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah. I love it. Well, in in closing, what are some great books or podcasts or resources that you could recommend to the audience about learning about local food systems or just really anything in general? Anything yeah, we're talking about this. We're like we're not sure if we're like podcast people, but we're trying to to we're get trying. it. Hey, yeah. you're you're on a podcast. Your podcast but um yeah. <laughs> like as far as listening, like we're we're like, when's the right time to for us to like is it like when we're working out right. or like on the way somewhere? So we're trying to get uh-huh. more into the podcast. So I I think that whenever I we do listen to a podcast, we do like a lot of goo. And definitely like I'm more drawn to the ones that are kind of like health and wellness focused mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, Eve well, is a great is a podcast that we love by two local friends yeah. of ours. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I haven't heard of that. Well, and, and Lauren Abney. And they just, they kind of take like a really fun approach to wellness. And balance and also, balance, you know, yeah. so they always talk about like tequila, but then also, you know, eating <laughs> healthy and clean. So yeah, it's I just like it. the lives that we live. So we enjoy listening to them. And yeah, so that's a good one. There's a book that's been on my nightstand for like a year yeah. now. Mm-hmm. I will get to, but it's called Decoration. Dirt. Yeah, it's decoration. Yeah, I'm really committed to reading it this year, but it's called Dirt to Soil. And it's about mm-hmm. this family farm that it kind of like practiced industrial farming for years. And it was kind of how it was how their journey, like making the switch from industrial farming to like regenerative farming and turning dirt into like living soil, which is what it should be and what's going to grow, you know, the wow. best green dense food. So that's something that I'm really excited to read. And then if people were looking for like a great book on regenerative agriculture or just to understand kind of that way of farming, there's a, a man, his name's Elliot Coleman, and he's kind of like the father of regenerative agriculture. He's based out of Maine. I think he's in his like 80s now, but he he just has some really wonderful books on kind of gardening through or harvesting through many seasons. And Maine is obviously cold for mm. a part of the year. And he's growing like artichokes in the middle of January. He's figured out wow. these new greenhouse growing and, but all, you know, no, no pesticides, like all kind of natural ways of pest control. And so it's, his stuff is really interesting to read that people That's are awesome. Really do a deep dive into that yeah well i'll be sure to link those yeah awesome well thank you Heidi. awesome yeah thank you yeah this This is really fun one more thing before you go are you subscribed to lifelong podcast have you left a rating and review are you following along on instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with heidi If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.